It is so good to be here. It is amazing to be back with you. Um, it's a total joy to be back in this place with its aubergine. Where's Jill Spencer? Where's Jill? Jill is very keen to make sure that we all know that purple color there is not purple, it's aubergine. Just, it's one of the things I remember whenever I walk in this building. No, 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 I was corrected very sternly. It's aubergine, Mike. Um, I got into a lot of trouble for that. I'm sorry once again. It's aubergine. Uh, it's so good to be with you. It's brilliant to have the family back here um, in London and in W4. And even just walking across the green, you know, memories were coming back with our girls. of like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember climbing on that rock or that thing over there. Um, at the same time, I'm really aware that there's a whole load of new faces here which is good, and you'd expect. And welcome to Christchurch W4, which seems a strange thing to say, and to turn them green, because I'm not here anymore. But welcome. If you are, can I, can you raise a hand? If you're new in the last couple of years here, particularly, can you just raise a hand, just so I can see? Yeah, wow. A good sort of, like, quarter people. Welcome these people. Because I imagine a, a big part of a day like today, actually, as well, is, is nothing to do with me. It's that kind of mingle time. It's getting to know one another and to meet one another. And we've been trying to do that at our church um, uh, down near Wimborne and Bournemouth, trying to work out how we incorporate new people and old people coming back after what's been such a strange last 15, 18, 20 months or so, um, hasn't it? So it's brilliant to see you as well. And I'm really hoping and praying that this morning um, we're going to um, we're going to look at two, two things, either side of a nice coffee break. We're going to look at, you're probably very aware, and you have some notes in front of you. Do make use of those notes if they're a help to you. Um, and uh, we're going to look at Jesus is the light of the world. You know, this morning is, it's really, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. And uh, for those of you who remember me when I was here as associate vicar, like, Mike, you never did. <laughs> it, it's, it's really simple stuff. Uh, but I think... It's particularly important, perhaps in this season, that we're reminded that Jesus is the light of the world. And we're going to look at, at why, when Jesus said that phrase that sounds like something you put on a nice Christmas card, why is it they tried to kill him as a result? Which they do at the end of the reading that Anne's about to read us. Like, we need to understand again what Jesus is saying when he says, I'm the light of the world, what it meant for them then and what it means for us today. And then after coffee, we're going to come back and we're going to look at something else that Jesus said. And he said, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. The church is the light of the world. So we're going to look at that together too. But first of all, we need to hear from God's word. So I've asked Anne. Anne is going to, it's partly Anne's fault that I'm here today. So um, Anne came to visit us down in Wimborne. We had a lovely chat. There was one evening we were chatting away, and I just sort of sighed and said, it'd be really nice sometime, actually. I feel like it's a, it'd be a good time. It'd be really nice to go, to go back at some point. A couple of days later, Richard gives me a call. Mike, would you come back? And I thought, oh, maybe that's the Lord. So um, Anne is going to read to us. John chapter 8, if you've got a Bible or a device um, or whatever. John chapter 8, very famous passage, reading from verse 12 to verse 20. Anne. Yeah, you'll find um, the, the reading on page, gosh, I need new glasses, um, one, where is that, 1073. 
When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Pharisees challenged him. Here you are appearing as your own witness. Your testimony, testimony is not valid. Jesus answered, even if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and where I am going. But you have no idea where I come from or where I am going. You judge by human standards. I pass judgment on no one. But if I do judge, my decisions are true because I am not alone. I stand with the Father who sent me. In your own law, it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am one who testifies for myself. My other witness is the Father who sent me. Then they asked him, where is your father? You do not know me or my father, Jesus replied. If you knew me, you would know my father also. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. Yet no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. Thank you very much, Anne. I wonder how you are feeling at the moment in your relationship to God. First, first things first. It's going to be a bit interactive. I'm going to refer to this, but I won't refer to it all the time. So track, track along if you can. And we're going to, uh, you're going to have some time uh, hopefully discussing with others as well. But uh, right now, this is just between you and the Lord. Does God feel particularly distant, one, or does God feel super close, ten? Just take a moment to, between you and the Lord, say how you're feeling at the moment. probably about a month ago and uh, there was a cry in the night and there was a shout it was a shout actually from mummy but there's a loud shout one of our children had woken up and uh, you know what every parent does in that situation um, you lie very very still and hope the other one goes first <laughs> so, okay. and Michelle being the mum that she is she did Wonderful. Um, and she went and dealt with Leo. As I said, to be fair to myself, he was crying out for mummy. So who am I to get in the way of that relationship? Um, and, uh, and he went. But there was, there was another time where I was probably a slightly better version of myself. And I remember this very clearly. Maybe it was a couple of months before then. But I, I remember it for what we ended up praying for. But um, there was a cry in the night again, and I didn't know why. This time it was Joy, our middle daughter. And uh, she'd woken up. I didn't know why. I was like, what's going on? Is the nightlight gone out? And I, I, before I, she was calling out, she was clearly a bit frantic. And, um, but as I, even before I get to the room, you know, I started calling out, Joy, it's okay, I'm here, I'm here, Daddy's here, it's all right. And then I realized the light has gone off. They like a bit of light in their room. And so I turn up the light a bit, and she's calming down a little bit more, still whimpering. And then... Um, then I have a bit of a chat with her, and she was so scared. She'd had a nightmare as well. She was so scared by the nightmare, bless her, that she didn't even want to tell me what it was about. 
didn't even want to say what it was. I didn't want to vocalize out loud what it was about. It was beginning to calm down. And I said, okay, well, we'll just pray. And um, I didn't, like, plan on this. It wasn't like, um, God, please show me what she's dreaming about. But as soon as we started praying, I had a sense of what she'd had her nightmare about. And I thought, well, I'm a church leader. I should probably try this out. <laughs> and um, so I said, uh, I said, Joy, were you dreaming about? Her eyes widened. I said, Joy, God loves you so much. He knows you so well that he's told me what you were dreaming about so we can pray and you can have peace. And you saw like the penny drop and her eyes open. And we prayed and she went back to sleep. I tell that story because... I think for a lot of people, perhaps it's true at this church as well, a lot of people in my church, at this moment in time, they need to hear their heavenly father running down the corridor in the dark saying, I'm here. It's okay. I'm here. They need the light turning up just a bit. They need an encounter with God where they hear his voice saying, I know. I know. Have peace. Is there anyone here who could do with the light being turned up, knowing that Father God's here and hearing his voice for them? Raise a hand. Quite a few people. And my hope is that this morning, and it, it might be during a time of worship and ministry, it might be a prayer with someone else or discussion, it might be during one of my talks, that that's what will happen for you. You'll know the Lord is here. The light will be turned up a bit. You'll hear his voice. We are called to be people of the light. People of the light. But we feel at the moment, I think a lot of us, some people probably are in a really good place. You might have circled eight, nine, or ten in terms of feeling really close to the Lord. There's this couple in our church, um, Howard and Anne, and Anne is... Physically, really, actually, she's quite unwell. But she said to one of our pastoral team the other day, but I've never felt closer to the Lord. Howard um, is physically fine, but is feeling very distant from the Lord. So I wonder where you are on that spectrum. It might not be to do with your circumstances. You might be going through a really difficult time. I was chatting to somebody just as I was arriving in the coffee time earlier who's had a really difficult diagnosis recently. Someone here this morning, I won't reveal the name. Um, but almost as soon as they'd said the diagnosis, but God is so good, they said. God is so good. And he meant it. I wonder where you're at this morning. Jesus is the light of the world. Thankfully, we are not the first people of God who have been struggling a bit in the darkness and wondering what's going to go, what's going to happen and what's going on and calling out to God. What's the future going to be? What's it going to look like? Um, this is what a reading we often have at Christmas from Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, calling out the exiled people of God. And he says this, and you can fill in the blank when I pause. 
the people walking in darkness have seen a great on those living in the land of deep darkness a has dawned and you can feel hope rise for to us a child is born it's light anticipated hundreds of years before Jesus arrives the start of John's gospel he picks up the theme in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God he was with God in the beginning through him all things were made without him nothing was made that has been made in him was life and that life was the of all mankind the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And then Jesus, in the reading we just had read, opens. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And they try and kill him at the end of the reading. But it wasn't yet his time. Now why did they try and kill him? We need to understand a little bit more about what exactly he was saying and where exactly he was and why, therefore, it was so impactful. It says at the start of our reading, when Jesus spoke again to the people, when Jesus spoke again to the people, does anybody know where Jesus was speaking or what particular festival Jesus was speaking at? Do you know what comes just before? You can turn back a page, perhaps, and find out. But Jesus was speaking, you can see at the start of verse, uh, chapter 7, he was speaking at something called the Festival of the Tabernacles. So this was Jesus still speaking at the Festival of the Tabernacles, and he was speaking in the temple courts. If you glance down a little bit later in the reading, it says in verse 20, he spoke these words while teaching in the temple courts near the place where the offerings were put. So, I want to paint the picture a little bit. Feast of Tabernacles, Celebration of Tabernacles, was this um, annual festival celebration for the Jewish nation where they celebrated basically all of God's provision and guidance and leading when they were living in tents in the wilderness as a people of, uh, who'd been, um, come out of Egypt and were heading towards the Promised Land. And they celebrated in this Festival of Tabernacles, week-long festival with lots of food, my kind of festival, and... Um, uh, they celebrated God's provision of food, so they feasted. They celebrated his provision, and you'll remember like manna and quail in the desert, some of those stories. Celebrated the gift of water that he provided from the rock in the desert, and so that was thankful in prayers and liturgy each day. And then also what was celebrated in the temple courts, and I, I wish, you know, we had an eyewitness here to describe it. There's a few artists' impressions out there. But they also had this massive flame in the temple courts, this huge pillar of light on top. It was said that there was no courtyard in Jerusalem that wasn't lit by the light from these flames. They were huge, absolutely huge. You had to like, a priest had to climb up a ladder to refuel it with oil and they used like the old priest clothing as like the wicks for the candles. It was huge, like a furnace. And of course you might already be there, what that represented that the people of God knew from that time in the desert, in the wilderness, was the pillar of light. Do you remember the pillar of cloud or the pillar of light? Uh, cloud by day, light by fire by night, that led and guided and was there in the camp for the people of Israel. 
in that season. And that's what it represented. This huge light, that's what it was. It represented the pillar of light. And on the last day of the festival, they began to take that down. They were removing it. They didn't come to the last day. There wasn't going to be another night. They weren't going to light again. They were starting to take it down. And Jesus, with plenty of people still buzzing about, stands right in front where that would have been and says, I am the light of the world. And then you begin to understand why everybody's jaws drop and go, what's he saying? And that's why we need to actually go back to this ancient story of the pillar of fire in the Old Testament to work out what it is that Jesus was actually saying he was and what he was representing. And you're going to help me do a little bit of the work for that. So, in the Old Testament, there was this pillar of fire by night and this pillar of cloud. And it represented, I, you could argue for different things, but broadly speaking, I think represented three things. And I'm going to get you to do a little bit of work in your groups to, to help identify, quick as you can, what those are. So can you turn into groups of ideally maybe three, three or four people if you're not already around you? Um, and hopefully they look reasonably friendly. If you haven't met them before, say hi, get to know their name. Okay. Okay. Now... If you are, if you're, if you're at the sides of the church, either this side or that side of the church in your little group, um, can you look at Exodus chapter four? You can see the verses on your notes, so I don't need to go through them. You're number one. So I want you to just look at those two verses, just two verses, and say, what does the pillar, the cloud of fire represent in these verses? Okay? So that's if you're on the sides. If you're on the left-hand side, my left-hand side here of the church, you're number two. So you look at those, you've got three verses. And then over here, you've only got one verse. So you're um, number three. Quickly, in your groups, open up the Bible to those verses. What does the pillar of cloud, pillar of fire represent to the people of God? What does it communicate to them? Give you another 30 seconds or so. Don't need much longer.
Okay. Draw your discussions to a close. Hopefully that wasn't, uh, hopefully that was enjoyable and not too, too taxing. But let's see, um, let's see where you got. I'm going to pick on someone. I'm going to pick on someone over there. So you guys were looking at the first one, weren't you? So those first couple. What does the, this, this cloud, this pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night, what does it represent to the people of God in these verses? Anybody shout out. Yes. Anybody else? Anything to add to it from over there? Yes, absolutely. Anything to add over here to that? Any other words or anything come out of that? Glory. Glory. God's glory. That's mentioned a couple of times in those verses, isn't it? Brilliant. God's glory. The cloud, the pillar of cloud, pillar of fire represents the glory of God, the holy presence of God. Number two. Which was number two? Was it this over here? So number two. What was it that in your verse, you had Numbers 14, Exodus 33. Uh, what, what was the language there? What did you feel was relevant in those verses? Presence. In, a, in, a, in the same way, in a slightly different way? Any other words that particularly came out? I mean, yeah. sorry? Rest. Yeah. Yeah. With. With us, Catherine's saying at the back. I'm, sorry, I'm repeating some of it so people can hear. So, yeah, there's the verse in, you're absolutely right, I put presence for that. But it says in Numbers 14, 14, uh, they've, and they will tell the inhabitants of the land about this, that seeing this pillar with the people, pillar of cloud. They've already heard that you, that you, Lord, are with these people and that you, Lord, have been seen face to face, that your cloud stays over them that you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. So it's God's glory, his holy presence. It's also his presence in a different way. It's like they're with you in the camp. They're with you. He's with you on the journey. Presence. Last one. Three. Over this side. Yeah. Yeah, go for it. Can you shout out? Do you mind? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Anybody else from this group? Any others? Guidance. Yep, guidance. For everybody else, this is what the verse says. It's just one verse. By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or by night. Those are three wonderful Ps, but I'm not putting three Ps for just one point. What I put here is, um, is guide. It was a guidance. It was absolutely true that it was a protection, it, um, and all of those other wonderful Ps that you mentioned. But um, guide. So, three things that this pillar of fire represented. God's glory, his 
presence with the people and a guide, a protector, a revealer of the way, even by night, of how to go and how to travel, where to go. Jesus, as he stands in that place and announces, I am the light of the world, he wants them to know all of these three things. It's why it's, it's so controversial, first point. He's saying, I am the glory of God in front of you. The holy presence of God here in front of you. No wonder they try and kill him. No wonder they question and interrogate him. Who are you? What about your testament? How can you say these things about yourself? And there's a whole load of verses there, basically of people who, in response to this revelation, he's saying, I am the glory of God, reject him. Say, no, I can't believe this. I don't want to believe this. Where's your evidence? Where's your proof? Who are your witnesses? Jesus points to himself and to the Father as his witnesses and say, well, basically, if you don't get it, if you don't see who I am, you have no part of me. You don't know, you don't know me. You don't know the Father if you don't recognize me. Throughout the Gospels, people with, as Jesus reveals himself, like he does here, they, they crown him or they crucify him. They receive him or they reject him. The appropriate response when Jesus reveals to us his glory, this is who I am, is to fall on our knees, to fall on our face and worship him, to adore him. If you look back to the verse, some of, again, of the Old Testament, you look, we're looking at uh, Exodus 40, verse 34, verse 35, Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Exodus 33:10. when the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they all stood and worshipped. When we encounter God, when we recognize, and maybe we need to see again, recognize as he calls down the corridors, the dark corridors at the moment, says, I'm here, I'm here, the recognition of the glorious presence of God. I hope for, for some of us this morning, maybe even as we... As we go through the day, as we worship, there will be a sense of the holy presence of God here. Prue was praying earlier, and she sensed, saw a picture of like a, a dove flying around, the presence of the Holy Spirit flying around here, dropping gifts to different people. Perhaps gifts of healing for you. Perhaps you're going to encounter the glorious presence of God this morning, if you haven't already. Worship him. The second thing Jesus is saying is he's saying in the most profound way, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm here. This is why Richard and I know that Jesus is a Liverpool fan, because you'll never walk alone. It's, it's, it's obvious. He's saying you'll never walk alone. Receive me. Walk with me. Follow me. And you'll never walk alone. It's, it's there in the Bible. I don't know why there's such dispute over this. Um, Jesus is saying, I am God with you. I have come to you, alongside you. And our response, as well as worshipping him as a holy God, is to receive him into our hearts, is to follow him, is to walk with him in our lives. This is the promise for those who do. There might be someone here, you, you don't know, that you might never have actually received Jesus. You're interested, you're hearing about him, but 
You've never actually said, I recognize you as Lord and I welcome you as my Savior. I receive you. You promise to be with me. I want you to be with me and to walk every day of my life with you. This is what the promise is in John chapter 1, a few chapters earlier. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children of God. said this before from this stage, and it's not my words, I'm echoing former Bishop of Kensington, the best decision you could ever make, maybe at this juncture in your life as well, chatting to one person just last night at the vicarage who's been on furlough for the whole time really and might end up losing their job and don't know quite what the future looks, the best decision you could ever make in your life is to receive Jesus and to become a child of God and to know that you will never walk alone. Jesus is saying to us again today, I'm with you if you will receive me. Finally, Jesus is the guide, the most profound guide that we all need. He's the light of life, the illuminator of truth for our lives. This, his word, is the authority that we need to follow in our lives. I, um, I've got a dog and, um, uh, called Auburn, funnily enough, named after St. Auburn's over the way. And um, it's part of our memory of this community here. And uh, he, he can be, um, we've trained him, you know, pretty well. We're pretty proud of him. Obviously, he's a pretty good dog. And, um, and he will respond occasionally to the heel command. It's like, will you follow me? Will you know me? Heel. And he will occasionally, but he, I've noticed that he, he tends to be much more attentive when I have treats, <laughs> and he seems to get very easily distracted. Squirrel, over there. Um, child, over there. Another dog. Um, and he can be very distracted. And often he'll only keep with the heel if he thinks there's another treat in my pocket waiting a few steps down the line. I've realized I can be very like my dog in my walk with Christ. And I've been chatting over the last few months with some people in our church family who have felt, I was chatting to a doctor who he said, we were speaking about this verse actually, and he said, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He was like, if I'm honest, a lot of my Christian walk, it feels like there's some darkness in it or there's some doubt in it. He said, but I have recognized, and I'm recognizing more, that the further I am for Jesus, the darker it seems. And the more heal I am, I have enough light for the next step. I thought, beautifully honest. Hands up here who hasn't at times felt like they're stumbling in the dark in their walk with God, or have been a bit distracted or have had doubts or questions. 
think we all have at some point. But he did say in his interpretation of this verse, it's not that there's an absence of darkness in the world all around, but the closer I am to the light of the world, I'll have enough steps and I'll know where I'm going. And I won't ever walk alone. I won't be walking in darkness and I will have the light of life to follow. Do you see? Jesus is saying all of these things to us. And for me, it is beautifully summed up. And before long, we're going to worship again and have a chance to pray for one another. Um, Actually, I I, I stumbled across a, a prayer that's used in the baptism service. Quite appropriately, when people are given the candle, a lit candle that represents what? Jesus, the light of the world. And there's this beautiful little prayer, and it goes like this. God has, I think you've got it on your sheets, God has delivered us from the dominion of darkness. If that's not a reason to worship God in the moment, I don't know what is. You could do a whole study around how he delivered us, why he needed to deliver us. Dominion. There's a power sometimes to those things that can grip us and hold us back that he has liberated us from. God has delivered us from the dominion of darkness and has given us grace, gift, a place with the saints in light. You have received the light of Christ. Walk in this light all the days of your life. What I'd love you to do is just again in your little groups, and we're going to I'm going to invite the band back up. We're going to worship in a moment. Before we move to worship, in the groups that you're in, in a moment ago, just get someone to read out that prayer again. To thank God for His grace and what He's given us, and to prophetically proclaim, affirm over one another, you have received the light of Christ to encourage one another, to pray for one another. Walk in this light all the days of your life. Can I ask you just um, quickly pray with one another, chat with one another, read that reading, have a bit of quiet, and we're going to worship and pray for one another a bit more.